up to yonder Beyond the lights, neon uh, Fluorescent, my essence is something to ponder uh, Your talent ain't something to squander uh, Blessed and favored so high Me, anointed and pointed I might be This is that all that podcast featuring Welcome back to another episode of the All That Podcast. And we have a very um, unique, interesting topic today. Um, it is about being divorced at a young age. And I feel like, at least with me, it's something that I haven't really heard talked about that much in, you know, in the media. And when I say media, I don't mean necessarily mean just the TV stations, but anybody, you know, anybody has media these days, social media, podcasts, YouTube shows, whatever. I really haven't heard this topic um, talked about. And one day I did a um, a poll or a questionnaire on my Instagram asking people um, what was something that they wanted to, what was a topic that they wanted to hear. And this topic came up. I, actually, it was you that brought it up. <laughs> um, yes. So I have my friend Chelsea. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. <laughs> and she is um, going to be um, very transparent and open with us today. So thank you for that in advance. Yes. Okay. Really exciting. I haven't really talked about this on like a deep level yet. Since right. My divorce. So. Yeah, this is going to be a podcast slash therapy session. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're ready. Right. <laughs> So let's start at the beginning, I guess. So kind of walk us through how you met your ex-wife, um, the, you know, the falling in love story and all that. So yeah. tell us, tell us about that. So I should have known from the beginning because we were both coming out of extremely toxic relationships. Mm -hmm. um, I was leaving a relationship that I actually had like a restraining order enforced by like the courts and the police and everything. Um, and so I feel like this was someone that I just attached to really easy. Um, you, what is the phrase? Am I allowed to be like uncensored on here? Like, yes. I don't know. It's funny you know, that like my guest, my guest yesterday <laughs> asked the same question. This, this is the all that podcast. You're allowed to do all that. <laughs> okay, so like this, I guess the saying is like a shoulder to a shoulder to cry on becomes you know yeah. something to ride on. Got basically. it. So. That was the situation to sum right. it up nicely. Um, she was there for me. She was really supportive while I was going through that. And so we became really toxic really quick. But at the time, I was really young. I was 21. So I did not know it was toxic. Mm -hmm. um, I just assumed this was a perfect relationship. We spent every second of every minute together, um, you know, just so attached to each other. Everything we did had to be with each other. Um, we worked together together. We drove to work together. We worked the same shift. We went grocery shopping together. We went to see our families together. We did not spend a minute apart. Mm -hmm. And at the time, that was my version of true love. Of course, you know, like your absolute best friend every second of every day together. Um, and we did some really stupid things, you know, like we quit our jobs and moved to San Antonio with absolutely nothing lined up just for fun. <laughs> yeah. That was a um, big life change. Mm -hmm. And so just little things like that, that at the time seemed really fun. And now looking back as I've matured a little bit, not a lot, but a little bit, um, you know, those were not <laughs> smart decisions. And you could definitely tell where that relationship was headed, I think, very early on. In, in retrospect, you can. Yes. In yeah. Retrospect. So 
what age were you when you got married? 21. 21. We got together when, yeah, we got together when I was 19. Um, and we got married 21, divorced at 24. <laughs> okay, so you got married at 21. What was the thought? I mean, this may seem like an obvious question, but now you have this retro uh, retrospective wisdom now. So at, when you look back on it, what do you think was the driving force behind um, the decision to ultimately get married at such a young age? I think it was, it was a mixture of two things for me looking back. So probably the biggest chunk of it was the toxicity of the relationship in wanting um, you know, after so many fights and so many insecurities, you know, so much jealousy that we faced in the relationship, it was a way that I think helped both of us feel more secure when we were not feeling secure. And again, at the time, I didn't understand the complexity of these feelings. So instead of fixing the root causes that caused the insecurity, we thought, oh, a marriage, you know, you're gonna be bound together for life, that's sure to like sum it up into a perfect fairy tale. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, I think we did that. That was a big part of it. I think the other part of it was me coming out of a really toxic relationship. I didn't want to be alone. And so for me getting married meant forever. Um, or so I thought, and so I thought, you know, Hey, we're going to be together forever. I won't ever have to do anything alone ever again. I'm always going to have someone and this is going to solidify it. Right. I know there is, um, some, not some. I know we are in a society where these things that I'm about to bring up are, is very accepted, but there's still a very strong structure in society and, and, and within your own family, right? So your mom was married to a man, your sister dates men, you know, your grandparents, that heterosexual relationship. So was there any, like, um, hesitation uh, because you were getting married to somebody of the same sex? Um, hesitation, not so much. I was really lucky that a lot of my immediate family and pretty much everyone that I speak to regularly, mm -hmm. they were pretty supportive. Um, I'm sure I have some family somewhere down the line who's like cringing behind, you know, <laughs> <laughs> behind yeah. their walls, but they didn't let me know. So I, I don't think I felt it from family. Um, I think again, maybe I was tied up in the attention of being gay. I mm -hmm. guess, and that sounds really bad, but again, just open and honest, right. uh, you know, you do get a lot of attention mm -hmm. from being a lesbian. Um, and so I think at the time I was so scorned with the attention of being one of the few lesbians who actually had somewhat of a successful relationship in their terms. And so it did kind of bring, you know, a little bit to light there, which probably felt good. It wasn't necessarily, um, you know, like I was ashamed or anything like that, but I don't know. It's a hard question because I'm hoping that I'm answering it correctly based on my mm -hmm. um, understanding of my family's feelings and everything like that. But who knows? <laughs> right. So you were married for three years, right? Yes. So you married for three years, um, at least from the outside looking in, everything is going well. You guys purchased a house together, right? Yes. Get a house together. You move to a new city. You know, you're settling in. Looks like everything's great. Pictures are great. You know, uh, meshing with the family. Everything's going fantastic. So when did everything start to crumble? So, like I said, we, it was toxic from the beginning. Mm -hmm. 
I, we had, we both had iPhones. So I had my location sharing at all times. Um, even though we worked together, we drove together, we lived together. Um, and we still had our location on that way. The few minutes that we were apart, <laughs> we literally could pinpoint the exact location where we were. So that, that was happening. Um, you know, all those little things kind of led up to it. And there would be certain times throughout the relationship where, you know, I would like, um, another female's post on Instagram. And because I was lesbian, it was just automatically assumed that that was a form of cheating. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was jealousy, you know, like, oh, why do you like her post? Um, and so just little events kind of leading up to that. Uh, but I think really the last year of our relationship was really, really rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would take vacations quite frequently. So anyone who follows me or used to follow me they would see I was in a new state like every month we toured like crazy um and unfortunately everyone thought we were living the dream you know like oh my gosh such a dream life I love you guys these pictures are so cute you guys Mm -hmm. travel the world goals but it wasn't it was like we would do that after a major fight to try to get the relationship back on track exactly yeah um and so it's kind of disturbing looking back how much of our vacations we did that to because pretty much all of them mm-hmm. and everyone from the outside in was like oh wow this is such a picture perfect family this is goals but for me it was like extreme toxicity that we were trying to work through and it didn't it didn't end up working well yeah did you at this time did you have um well I know for a fact that you had somebody you could go to if you wanted to talk but was there a part of you that you um, didn't want to reach out to somebody and, and talk about exactly what was going on in a relationship at the time? So I couldn't talk to anybody. Oh, so um, you couldn't. So I was wrong about my fact. Uh, you were yeah. wrong. I, mean, I, I did have, technically, yeah. yes, I had okay. people to talk to. The issue was it goes back to that level of toxicity. Um, so I have like a Mac and my Mac is synced with, my phone. I have an Apple watch, which is also synced with my phone. Oh, I got there you. were numerous times where mm-hmm. she would find conversations. Yeah. Even if it wasn't about her, just me being stressed. And she would be like, Oh, why are you going to someone else? And she would actually be able to read these messages that I was, you know, having with someone else. Or if I called someone and cleared it from my phone, not to be sketchy, but just because I knew what would happen she would find it somehow on my watch. She'd scroll. I mean, it was so deep, the level of detective work that Mm -hmm. she gave. (laughs) Um, So I really, just to avoid that fight, I didn't. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Got it. So who filed for divorce? I asked for it. She technically filed. Okay, so what was the, uh, the thing, the point, the thing that you can pinpoint, the moment you can pinpoint, the hour, second, week, whatever it was that you can pinpoint that led you to that decision to be like, look, I'm done. That's an easy one. So (laughs) uh, (laughs) over the years, obviously we had so many fights, but it was between us. So not a lot of people knew about it. We could shake it off and like the world kept turning. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as I mentioned, we worked together at the same facility and Um, we were both leaders. So we had a number of people working under us that we were directly responsible for managing. Well, one day she decided that I was cheating on her with somebody within our work environment. Um, And she didn't handle it very well. Um, And there was really no evidence. Again, we 
drove to work together. She had my text messages. She had my location. Um, it was just kind of an assumption based on jealousy because I would talk to this person quite frequently, mm-hmm. um, like I would pretty much anybody else. Um, and so she went to my area of the job that we worked at in front of all of my people and kind of really started cussing me out, calling me, you know, names and mm-hmm. uh, accusing me of this action using that person's name in front of everybody who also works with this person. And so it was so awkward for me to have to deal with that because I knew her personality and I knew she was overreacting and I knew she would calm down and it would be fine. But when you bring it to a public level mm-hmm. where that person doesn't even know what's going on and she's accusing us of having a relationship that person thinks I'm crazy. You know, it's that level like of embarrassment that you just can't get over. I mean, we're going to heal from it because we're toxic and we've done this before for years, but in a work setting and where that professionalism is taken away and your credibility is taken away. And now, you know, a, a whole building starts rumors and it's just really hard to work past that and get to a point of normalcy again, especially working together where we're supposed to just pretend like it didn't happen. Right. I'm going to ask you this question because I know that this is in the psyche of a lot of people who are um, thinking about or facing divorce, um, especially if they come from a family like you do, where, you know, I'm sure, you know, your parents had ups and downs, but you know, they were able to stay married a long time, right? If you look at your grandparents, it's a marriage, long time. So it, in, in your immediate family, in which you saw growing up, do you feel, did you feel any of that pressure? Because, you know, some people will be like, man, you know, I don't want to be seen as the quote unquote failure in the, in the family with my marriage. You know, I kind of want to live up to, you know, my parents or my grandparents or whatever. So did you feel any of that pressure when you made your decision? Absolutely. It took me a long time to make the decision because it was pressure, but it was embarrassment. It just felt like I did this to myself. Um, You know, like I wouldn't be worthy of having another relationship because I obviously can't keep this one. So what makes you think I can keep the next one? Mm -hmm. It's just little thoughts in my head that my parents wouldn't think that I did enough to save the marriage that I gave up too easily, Mm -hmm. you know, little things like that, um, that I still face to this day. But yes, to your point, nobody in my family pretty much is divorced. Everyone has figured it out um, except me. (laughs) And so it was rough. It was hard. It was embarrassing. Yeah. So describe that week, month, directly after the separation, she's gone, you know, you're, you're by yourself and you're alone and describe that time period. What were you going through? What were you thinking? Were you depressed? Tell us about that. It, it took honestly almost a whole year wow. for me to function. Um, the weeks after were really hard. I went home, I cried, I skipped work. I used all of my PTO days. Um, I almost lost my job really because I couldn't be at work, especially because we worked together. Yeah. So the actual business place was really a skeleton full of memories, mm-hmm. um, but it was very hard. I was depressed because I didn't have her. I was depressed because I felt like it was my fault. Again, she would, you know, make me feel like I was the reason we were getting a divorce. Uh, and so I would think about those. I'm like, am I the reason? Did I do something wrong? Did I do enough? Um, it took probably 
several months to get to the point where I could function daily mm-hmm. and just actually go to work and have a you know normal work cycle. But I would get home in the house that we had together. The house was empty except my bedroom. It just had literally a bed, a TV. There was no couch. There was no living room set. All of the other bedrooms were empty. So it was so depressing to go home to that. Um, and then also dealing with her because she was being really unpleasant of course because a divorce is unpleasant Messy. You know? <laughs> well, i want to <laughs> i want to i want to cut in right here so can you talk about because another probably the the most um gruesome part of a divorce is you know the fight over things so you guys own you know things together um home or whatever so can you talk about that and having to I don't want to talk to you right now but I kind of have to talk to you you know because you know what do we do with this and you know you want your stuff back I want my stuff back like you know things we brought together like what do we do so can you talk about going through all that oh man it was (laughs) rough um it was rough because we just I don't think handled it like adults and obviously I think a lot of people who go through a divorce will say the same thing that Mm -hmm. you're not in your right mind and you're you're very petty and you're very difficult because it's a hurtful situation. There's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of emotions that can be displaced in the wrong form. And so, yeah, it was really messy. We decided a little bit differently than I think most people handle a divorce. We decided to do a no contest divorce where we just agree to the court. And so it took a lot of fighting outside of the court for us to agree inside the court so that we didn't need a judge to determine who gets what. So I ended up keeping the house. She came and got a lot of the furniture, a lot of the fun stuff, I call it. Um, A lot of the things that we worked really hard to buy, like gaming systems and, you know, like memorabilia, little stuff like that that costs a lot um, that I would deem the fun stuff. And then I ended up keeping the boring stuff like the kitchen appliances and silverware (laughs) and (laughs) weird stuff that nobody really wants out of a divorce. Um, But it was really hard. The hardest thing for me was being left with the house because she kind of uh, left. She moved back a couple hours away with her family. And so since I was the only one in the house, she refused to pay anything on it. Mm. Um, she refused to pay the utility bills. She refused to pay the rent mortgage. She refused to pay anything, which to some extent is fair because she wasn't living there. But again, for me, going from a two-person income household to suddenly having all the bills under one income was so financially stressing on top of an already stressing relationship. And that was definitely the hardest part, in my opinion, right. was the financial side. Yeah. Um, was there ever room for reconciliation or did you feel like there was ever room for it? We went back and forth so many times. Mm -hmm. Um, one day we would be friends and we would talk about it and we would talk about the times that we missed and you know, like, what did we do? And then the next day would just be full of anger over something or hurt over something and we'd block each other and then we'd unblock each other. And it was just an endless cycle. And there were times that I thought maybe we could get through this, um, but then I just kind of look back at how many times we've gone through this. Uh, and it just, it turns out the same every time. And I, I don't think anything I could have done really would have saved it. I think we were both way too toxic and we were set on our ways and it would have been too hard of a cycle to break. Right. 
So you said it took you like seven months or a year to be able to function, just function at the most basic level, right? So how long did it take you to function in the dating world? So it's a tricky question. So Mm -hmm. I was dating before the technical seven months, um, I guess you could say. Would Would you say you were dating for um the band-aid <laughs> kind of yes. like the band-aid of yes. which you, yeah okay gotcha yeah absolutely mm-hmm. i was gonna say it wasn't necessarily dating like my mind wasn't dating you know i was dating to keep myself company mm-hmm. um yeah i i wasn't all there and even then i was open and honest with them and i you know i would tell them like hey i just need the blo and i'm really struggling like this sucks and I don't know how to explain it without you know sounding crazy and they were really supportive but um it was a mess I mean it took me a long time to be able to and by long time I mean I barely am just now over the last couple of months fully independent and fully feeling like I'm confident in my dating life and confident moving forward it took almost that entire two years it's been for me to actively be able to date someone with, without comparing that last relationship, without feeling stupid, because I have a lot of feelings of like, oh, I can't post this on the internet because I've already said I love you to someone before. People are just going to be like, oh yeah, she said that before. So I have those voices in my head that I had to work through. That's definitely been one of the most challenging parts uh, because I've always cared what people think of me. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. Um, So knowing that my failure was on such a public platform, I guess, for viewing, um, it's hard to go back and do it again. (laughs) Not not feel like it's going to happen again. Right. I want you alluded to it a little bit, but I want you to really tell us about what the divorce did to your self-esteem. It, it pretty much put me in the closet for a really long time. Um, my divorce, because it was such a complex divorce, and by that I mean it was at such a big workplace. So I used to work somewhere with like 2,000 employees, and I knew quite a, you know, a good majority of them um, cheated as well. And so, and we were both working our way up to be on a manager level, so we knew a lot of the higher-ups. And for me... I took my work very serious. I invested a lot of time, a lot of overtime. I loved my job. I really thrived in it. And for me to lose that, it, it really hurt. Um, it really hurt. And so it was embarrassing. And I quit my job because I, I couldn't show my face there anymore. As, mm-hmm. as much as I loved my job, I couldn't. So you're going, couldn't. you're going through two divorces in a way yes, you're married yes, a work and divorce. you were married to your job too pretty much you were there all the time you you know you loved it it was something that you really wanted to do and now you had to let go of not only your marriage but also your career that you loved yes yeah. and it was hard so i completely withdrew myself because of this divorce from everything Mm-hmm. Uh, from social media, people who knew me on social media, I stopped posting regularly. I stopped updating my life. I stopped, uh, which is healthy now. So it's not a big deal. But for me to mm-hmm. go from posting all day, every day to nothing, uh, that was me withdrawing. That was me pulling back, going in the closet. Uh, I didn't talk to anybody from work. I didn't want to be seen. I didn't want to be heard. I, I just wanted to be home 
inside my house by myself and not talk to anybody. Um, and it, it really did kind of destroy me. It did. It made me really cold hearted. Um, it made me lose a lot of my friendships that I had previously because I just didn't care to talk to anybody, didn't care to follow up. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, be doing the whole like search for her on the web thing to see what she was doing. And then if she, because she moved on very quick. Um, and so I would see that and it would, you know, destroy me. Like I didn't understand, even though I was the one who asked for the divorce, it was still a breakup that I wasn't ready for. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Right. So I was really grieving a lot of things all at once. I was grieving the financial life that I used to have that I no longer had. I was grieving work. I was grieving her. It was, just, it was a lot. And I didn't know how to sort through those feelings at all, other than just to stay home and try to fly under the radar. So nobody asked me questions. In retrospect, um, what do you think you would have done differently at the beginning of the relationship before you got married? Because, you know, I hear people all the time and and when it's time for me to get married i'll do this too but are a big proponent of marriage counseling before marriage and i always i always tell people like you should really really date people a long time before you decide to settle down because to me that that dating stage is where you kind of build the friendship and also you really get to know the person instead of you know just jumping you know diving in there just you know, so looking back, what do you think you would have done differently before you decided to get married? I definitely would have dated longer. We only mm-hmm. dated nine months. Yeah. Um, we were engaged after nine months and we were only engaged for a couple months. We just did the whole like get hitched wedding thing. Um, we, de- I definitely would have dated longer. And that's something that I can guarantee I will do in my next relationship because about a year, a year and a half in dating her or dating slash married to her, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. That's when I started noticing these things. And it would have been a lot easier to walk away when we weren't married versus Mm -hmm. knowing that we were married, obviously tried to stick it out a little bit longer. Right. Um, Another thing I would have done is just make sure we talk about our boundaries because there were a lot of things that made me uncomfortable from the beginning, but I felt like, oh, it's fine. It's so little. Um, But a lot of those little things add up. And then they become a wall that kind of separates our relationship. And every little thing is like a brick, I guess, that kind of just adds to each other versus one little thing that's truly a little issue. Right. So are you comfortable with me sharing your new life? Yes. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So you are in a new relationship. Yes. So... Do you have what I call um, relationship PTSD? I do. Uh-huh. And um, they've been really patient. Um, so I'm with a guy now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that also has been a huge stressor for me, going from a girl to a guy. Not only do I fear what society thinks about me getting a divorce, but now it's like, oh, well, obviously that was just a phase. Um, mm-hmm. So that's all going on in my head. But he's been really supportive. Um, he is very good at pointing out when I'm having those somewhat PTSD moments when Mm -hmm. I am doing something that doesn't make sense or having a reaction to something in a way that I shouldn't. Right. He's able to kind of point that out and just be like, Hey, like, you know, come back to reality. It's not what's going on. And I'm able to see how toxic my last relationship has been. Mm -hmm. So when you look back on your marriage, um, 
how do you view it? Do you view it as a failure or do you view it as a lesson? I don't think it was a failure. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the marriage was a failure, but I think a lot of good still came out of it. Um, it was definitely a lesson that made me so healthy today, mm-hmm. um, even though I had to go through hell to get here. Right. And I think it also brought like a lot of really good life experiences for me. Um, just the traveling aspect, all the traveling we did do, being able to get that out of my system and actually live a young life where we had that flexibility. Um, yeah, I, I think there was plenty that I took out of it that kind of deems it not a failure. Right. What exactly do you think you took out of it? All the toxic, mm-hmm. <laughs> which, um, you know, is a good thing because it allowed me while I was just sitting at home sulking in my sorrow for a year, it really allowed me to kind of break down each of those individual components and look back. And I would do that all day, every day. I would obsess over my divorce. Um, Like people got tired of hearing about it, but that's all that was on my mind was my divorce. And I'd be at home and I'd think about a certain scenario and I'd look back and be like, dude, that was not okay. Like, I can't believe I let that go. Or, you know, it would take me a week to work through some of these things. But because I got that divorce, I feel like I worked through a lot of, feelings and emotions that would have taken me a lot longer in life, maybe to Mm -hmm. experience at that level. Um, And so it just kind of jumpstarted a lot of (laughs) the things I needed to fix with myself all in one year versus, you know, keeping those traits that I didn't know were necessarily toxic. Have you forgiven your ex? Honestly, no, Honestly, I haven't. I think she's moved on. She's actually engaged, possibly married by now. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's moved on. I am still very bitter um, about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. That, um, I know we said it's going to be a therapy session at the beginning. <laughs> but that is very, um, a very important step for you to fully move into your next phase and, and level in your life because at the end of the day, like you said, she's moved on, she's engaged. So really you holding, you being bitter is really only affecting you. So, um, and it's weighing you down. So, you know, forgive, for a, lot, a lot of people don't understand that forgiving is not for the other person, it's for you. You know, mm-hmm. for, not saying that you, you don't forget, you know what I mean? <laughs> because, you know, yeah. You'll be foolish to make a mistake, you know, twice, but you should forgive her and forgive. Let me ask you this question. And I was about to say, and forgive yourself. Now, the number one question I always ask people when they're talking about breakups, because, you know, I heard Jada when Jada Pinkett said this, I heard her and I was like, dang, that's 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 really good. She said that when people we break up with somebody, we always talk about what they did. But. We have to take some responsibility because we are the people who chose them. So what do you think you could have done differently to make your marriage work? Oh, man, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I definitely am not trying to play the innocent one Mm -hmm. um, because I feel like there's two sides to every story. And this is for sure like your point. Um, Yeah. It's just hard for me. I think that's still something I haven't worked out yet uh, Mm -hmm. because the main issues of our relationship was jealousy. And for me, 
and this is just being honest mm -hmm. and maybe it's normal to be this stubborn and not be able to self-identify your failures. But for me, you know, I gave up a lot of my freedoms, a lot of my privacy, a lot of anything I could give up to convince her that I was loyal. And I was our whole marriage. I never once cheated. Um, but so many times I was accused of cheating mm -hmm. that it just got to the point where I would almost not instigate or mock the situations, but when her insecurities came up, I would be like, oh, let me get some cheating, right? Yeah. yeah okay. Well, I'm cheating with this guy too. I'm cheating with her too. And so maybe, you know, looking back, <laughs> yeah. I didn't do the best job of handling the situation mm -hmm. because now I would obviously take a much calmer approach to it and actually address the issue. Um, so I don't think I was an angel, of course. Um, I think it just was so much hurt and scar tissue that anytime an issue like that popped up, it was just, I knew the reaction that I was about to get no matter how I handled it. So there was no point in me being sensible and logical. I was just going to just get it over with, start the fight and, you know, so we could move on. Right. It's hard, it's a hard question. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think I was a little immature with a lot of my responses. Mm -hmm. um, definitely a lot of instigating and and also i think on. i think you already um kind of understand that quote i said about I, that quote i said that jada pinkett said when she said that at the end of the day end of the day we are the ones who chose this person so what does that say about us and at the beginning of the podcast you were like you needed security you needed somebody there with you at the time and so i, I think you see where you might have been you know, culpable in, 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 in mm -hmm. choosing her in the first, not that, you know, she's a bad person or anything like that, but you can, you can kind of see why you got into a relationship and it might've not been for yes. the quote unquote right reasons. Yes, absolutely. There yeah. was very little that I saw of her at the beginning of a relationship that most people look for in a, in a wife or a husband. Right. So for a man or a woman listening to this who is going through a similar predicament, they're young, um, going through a divorce, don't doesn't know necessarily the next step they need to take, or they're depressed and you know they don't they don't know if they'll get out of it. Um, what advice would you give them? Definitely to really think about it. Uh, for mm -hmm. me, getting a divorce young was the most frustrating part because a lot of, you know, your friends our age are not going to be able to understand or relate, or if they are also married, they're still in their honeymoon phase. And so mm -hmm. they're going to tell you, Oh, you can't get a divorce. You know, just, you just have to work through it, or this is what we do. And it works for us. But I think the most important thing that I can say that someone told me is just, it's a lot easier to restart your life when you're young because your life hasn't been built yet. You know, in our, in our twenties or early thirties, we're still creating our life versus getting a divorce when you're 40, 50, you know, you've, you've created so much that it makes it that much harder. Right. Um, and so for me, getting a divorce earlier rather than later made all the difference in the world because I'm 26, I'm rebuilding, I'm thriving. And there was very little of my life taken away. From this experience versus if I would have felt trapped, if I would have stuck it out, um, knowing, you know, you can trust your intuition, your body knows if this is going to work or not. You, you just have that feeling. Right. So um, lastly, 
first of all, thank you for coming on, being so transparent with us. And lastly, just some advice for you going wow. forward. <laughs> going forward is to understand, you know, there's this book called The Four Agreements. And the second agreement is to never take anything personally. And the premise behind that is that 100% of the things that people do to you, wh whether you're in the wrong or not, says everything about them and nothing about you. So you have to understand that your ex had pre <laughs> medical term, but preconditions. <laughs> she had stuff going on way before you came around. And what she was doing to you had everything to do with what she was going through in herself. But she transferred that to you because she didn't understand. She didn't have the 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 emotional capacity to work through what she was feeling. So to her, the only thing that she understood how to do, whether she saw it in her family or whether that's just how she coped with it, was to put it on you. Right. Through anger, through cursing, through making a scene. That's the way she that's the only way she knew how to communicate what she was feeling inside of her. So mm -hmm. moving forward, if you hopefully you won't experience that again. But if you do understand that that has to do with that person and it has nothing to do with Chelsea. So you should not um, internalize that and make yourself feel bad because of the next person. So I like that. Thank you. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that's my advice. And, yeah, thank you. I hope you guys who might be going through this or if hopefully you, none of you guys will have to go through this. But if you do, hopefully you can circle back to this episode, listen to what Chelsea had to say and, and, and gain some um, insight from it. Also, the shirt I have on, the Thomas Train. I want to give a shout out to my cousin. Um, she is you know, in line for a heart transplant and a kidney transplant at the same time. She's been through a lot. Um, she literally, she calls herself Lazarisha because she literally, you know, came back to life. She was in a coma, came back to life. She lost an eye. Now she has to get a heart and kidney transplant. So, and she seems to beat everything. Like when she told me, she texted me, she was like, Kari, you know, now I got to get a heart transplant, kidney transplant. You know, I didn't even trip about it because, like, this girl beats everything. So I want to give a shout-out to her and tell her that I'm inspired by her, you know, and her story. And I know that God is using um, her life to um, get a message out and, and give her a testimony. So if you guys, I'll put the link in the description. Get a Thomas Train shirt. It would go toward um, all her medical expenses and living. She's had to move cities and all those, those expenses. So shout-out to Chloe. Love you. Chelsea, thank you. Love you. Thank you. All right. And I will see you guys next week. Peace.